Well, welcome to the Dr. Doom podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Doom. I wanted to thank uh, thank you, Doomers, for tuning in. And if this is your first time, uh, welcome. And, uh, you know, come sit a spell. And uh, let me regale you with, you know, semi-entertaining stories about my travels through the world of medicine. Um, we've actually got some uh, increasing listenership in the United States. I don't know... I'm not sure why. I think it's just that I put out. Maybe I put out so much content. It could. It could be that um, I, I stole the name of a Marvel superhero uh, unwittingly when I named this the Doctor Doom podcast. And uh, maybe maybe people are just happening by that way. I can't actually see how long people have listened for. I'll tell you a clue um, to how this. Uh, how I think that may be the case, though is that when I look at the analytics for this podcast, it's like, this is a pretty good listenership. It's, it's had, I don't know, you know, there's no promotion for this. It's, it's ridiculous. It's just stories, personal stories. But um, every listener so far has been male. <laughs> I'm not saying girls don't read comic books. I'm just saying that you guys probably do. Um, anyway, um, today I, I wanted to talk about uh, my state of maturity or lack thereof when I was going to medical school. And um, I got in early, so I did my uh, undergrad degree in three years. This is not uh, me bragging, I, I just got lucky, but um, I, I did my undergraduate degree in three years instead of four. And I was young, even starting university, I was like a year younger than a lot of the people uh, who were in my year at university just because I have a late birthday and I, you know, in, in Canada, you do a lot of schools go an extra year after grade 12, but I finished in grade 12. So when I started university, I was only 17. Um, and, uh, and so the way it worked out is that when I started medical school, I had just turned 20. I was actually 19 on my first day of medical school. My birthdays, um, my birthday was like the second day of medical school. So, um, Oh, well now hold on. <laughs> this is see this is why I have to record these because I'm getting forgetful and I'm and I'm uh, on my trip in, down memory lane. I'm I'm screwing up all the memories. I wasn't 19 when I started medical school. I was 20 when I started medical school. Um so I was still young uh for medical school and I was an immature 20. I didn't have a steady girlfriend. I didn't really have any life to speak of, uh, other than I was really into like skateboarding and, um, riding a bike and playing guitar. And I played in rock bands and stuff. And then of course I, I moved to go to medicine and, uh, and immediately your life changes completely. Like you have to be professional and serious. Yeah. Even I wasn't that good at it, but even like in class, in the classroom setting, um, the teachers aren't teachers. They're most of them are physicians or clinicians of some kind. And they're kind of doing this out of the goodness of their heart. And, and you're, um, you know, you have to be very mature to take in like eight hours of instruction a day and then study all night. And so, um, you know, I felt like my life was kind of not mine anymore. As soon as I started, I, uh, I always studied hard. But I had never studied like until midnight every night, you know, exam or no exam kind of thing. And that's what I started doing. I kind of, I suppose I lost, uh, 
lost perspective on things because not only was this like a new part of my life and I wanted to make sure I didn't fuck it up because my um, mom and dad were proud of me for getting in. But uh, it was also, um, I, I was living in a different province and uh, and it was, I didn't know a single person um, except as it turned out, uh, my friend Jamie, who from I think two episodes ago was the guy who fell asleep in Dr. C's class in biochemistry during our intercession course and uh, woke up when uh, Dr. C electrocuted himself. Anyway, um, you know, so it, it was a tough time in life. It was very, I had a hard time with the transition and I went from being quite athletic. So, uh, you know, I was doing the like skateboarding and, uh, and biking, but I was also really competitive with rowing and I was in uh, quite good shape when I started um, university and then I had a period of adjustment where I gained weight in university and then I lost it again and got into good shape again and then I started medical school and I man I got unhealthy I gained weight and stuff and so for the first two years um, I really struggled with with my weight and uh, and just with and having any sort of life balance. The only things I, as my son sneezing in the background, the only things I really enjoyed were like on the weekends I'd go to a movie every weekend by myself. It was a very lonely lonely existence. It was quite sad. I did make some friends um, over the subsequent two years, and we would have you know parties for the class and stuff, and and that, and that made it easier. And uh, you know, in retrospect. I certainly appreciated a lot that uh, people were willing to open up their houses <laughs> to a bunch of strangers because, you know what, it's a, it's a hard period of adjustment when you're living on the other uh, sort of, when you're so far from your family and friends kind of thing. Um, anyway, and I had really enjoyed my undergraduate degree was the other thing. Like by the time uh, I'd finished my third year, I'd kind of thought, geez, if I don't get into medicine, it's not the worst thing in the world. Maybe I can do a PhD here and keep living the campus life. You know, like I, I, I went from hating university to really loving it. And then it was over in a flash. Um, but all this is leading up to, um, when I started my third year and you started clinical rotations, um, I decided I would not go gently into that good night. I was, I, I felt myself getting really old and I was really out of shape and I was, uh, really quite miserable. And so, um, I went to the mall with my little student loan and I bought myself a new skateboard. Um, and I had skateboarded a little bit like leading up to medical school and I'd started getting into it and then medical school started and I just, uh, there was no time. Um, but I kind of said, I'm going to get into this and I'm going to get good at it, but you, you shouldn't do that when you're 22, you're too old <laughs> by the time you're 22, you're not going to get good at anything. You're going to like, if you played basketball when you're younger, you will still be able to play basketball in your twenties. Sure. But you're not going to learn how to play basketball when you're 22. You learn things when you're 10, <laughs> you know? But I basically decided I was going to go from like skateboarding just like as a way of getting around, which I did in my undergraduate degree, to skateboarding as a, hey, I'm going to read Thrasher Magazine and I'm going to do, um, you know, tricks and uh, kick flips and uh, nollies. And <laughs> I had a delusion, I think is what you would call it. Maybe I was just tired. Maybe I was a little overworked. Uh, whatever the case. It, it was not reality that I was living in. 
And so I got myself the skateboard and I started practicing. Um, out in the parking lot of the hospital, every weekend, if it wasn't snowing, which it was most of the time, but if there was a bare patch of asphalt, I was on it trying to do a kickflip. <laughs> the medical student. Um, living like a 11-year-old. Um, and, uh, and I started, uh, you know, I learned a few little tricks. Uh, nothing, nothing really big, but I just was never great at getting my balance. Like I could, I could kickflip the board, but then if I landed on it, I always felt like it was scooting out from under me. Like, you know, if you squeeze a watermelon seed and it goes flying out from between your fingers, the, the board was my watermelon seed. The fingers were me and the ground. Um, so I, I didn't give up. I was like, I'm not a quitter. <laughs> no, sir. And, uh, the summer of my third year started with me doing a rotation back in my home province. And I was kind of thrilled because at home, um, there, I, there was a, a tennis court that I used to use to skateboard around in. And, you know, when I was a, a child and I thought, oh, that's a great, great place to practice my skateboarding. I can do board slides there because there's all kinds of like discarded curbs and stuff. They weren't using it as a tennis court anymore. So I, uh, I went home to do my family medicine rotation and I, uh, the day before I started family medicine, I took my skateboard out to the tennis court. Things were going swimmingly until I decided, Hey, you know what? I can 50, 50 grind this curb. <laughs> so just, just as a aside, the, the coefficient of friction of concrete is not the same as a steel rail that people would like grind in a skate park. I, again, I'm not a, I'm not a great scientist. I didn't, I didn't piece that together. So I said, I'm going to need, I'm going to need quite a bit of speed here to make this work. So I really kicked up to this thing. And, uh, when I, uh, ollied up onto it, the, um, the trucks on my board, they hit the concrete and just immediately ground to a stop. Of course, they didn't slide at all. And I went flying and, uh, I hit the, curb with one hand and, uh, and the other hand, I kind of landed on my pinky finger side and slid on the asphalt. This was an asphalt tennis court, by the way. And, uh, I just basically skinned, uh, both of my hands, but, um, the left hand, I guess I probably broke my pinky finger, although I wasn't willing to admit it. It was, it was pretty fucked up looking. And the other hand, I, I was lucky not to break my wrist, but I, I took all the skin off the entire palm and going up my forearm. And it was full of little rocks and debris and stuff as a, as a good injury always is. Um, and so it, it was just like severe road rash early, and then maybe a broken pinky finger, but I didn't, I was so embarrassed because it just like, I had that snap of realization, Hey, I'm 22. I'm going to a family practice and I have to be working as one of the doctors there tomorrow. <laughs> and I have a really gnarly skateboard injury. Um, so what I did <laughs> was I went, I, I quit skateboarding that minute. Um, and it wasn't, you know, wasn't out of fear of another injury. It was out of acceptance that I had graduated to being if not a man, uh, a senior boy 
<laughs> at that point in my life. I said, okay, uh, I need to make this look presentable because patients are going to be seeing me tomorrow. So what I did is I went home and I picked out all the rocks and I buddy taped my fingers together and I, you know, I debrided the wounds with, uh, I didn't actually, this kind of gross. I didn't have iodine or anything. I used, um, rubbing alcohol. That was, uh, that didn't feel good. Um, but I figured I could, the last thing I need is a big infection. So, um, then I put dressings on both my hands and I looked like I had just wandered out of a burn unit when I showed up the next day for my, uh, family medicine rotation. And, uh, I was, I came up with it on the spot when the, when they said, Oh my God, what happened to your hands? I said, I, f I fell when I was playing tennis. I figured that was <laughs> better than, Oh, I was learning to skateboard and I, uh, I tried to do a 50, 50 grind on a concrete uh, barrier and, uh, and, and really wiped out. Um, so I, I, I told them I had a tennis injury. It, um, you know, it, people seem to accept that. Although I was not in good shape at that point, I was uh, about the same shape I am now, which is, you know, 250 plus pounds, not, you know, not slender, not looking like somebody who plays tennis, not really looking like somebody who skateboards either. In my defense, you know, I've always just thrown the weight around. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, what was funny is that, uh, you know, the patients, um, they, they seem to, uh, they seem to be okay with it, except for one day a guy came in and I was, uh, examining him and he was like, Whoa, gross. And I said, uh, Oh, what? He said, look at your bandage, dude. <laughs> my, yeah, you don't know if you called me dude, but my hand had started bleeding. I don't know when, like I must've broken, you know, how you break the scab tissue or whatever. And it had just saturated this thing. And I was like, I don't know how many people I had seen with it, like filling up with blood, but the wrap around my hand was all red and disgusting and drippy. Anyway, um, that's really the story of the skateboard hand injury. It was more just a, a coming of age story, uh, the acceptance of getting old, but, uh, um, you know, these things happen and, uh, sometimes you just have to accept that you're not a kid anymore. The second story today is a story about responsibility. <laughs> so, um, in, in Canada at the time, uh, when I was applying for medical school, you didn't qualify, um, for a student loan. Um, or I, I, I couldn't qualify for a student loan until I was 20 because my, uh, dad was working and he didn't, he wasn't, uh, like particularly well off, but he, his income was enough that it like disqualified me from applying for student grants or student loans or whatever. Um, so when I turned 20, the year I started medical school, I decided to apply for uh, a student loan because my tuition had been covered in my undergrad degree from a scholarship, but I didn't have any scholarship for, um, postgraduate degrees. So it wasn't, um, at that time it wasn't overly expensive, the tuition, but it was not cheap. It was, it was, 
it was a little bit painful for me. Plus, I had to rent an apartment um, on my own. I, I didn't have roommates because I didn't know anybody. And that was uh, a first for me. And uh, yeah, so, the, you know, the costs were there. And so I applied for a student loan. And um, I, when I applied, I said, I'll apply for the maximum because then who knows what they'll give me. But at least, you know, it'll be... I've applied for the maximum that, that, that I can get. And uh, it was sort of the summer right before I was about to, well, no, it was the summer leading up to medical school. And, and uh, I got I got my notice in the mail that I had qualified for the maximum student loan. And I thought, oh, great. Uh, not knowing that uh, as a 42-year-old man, all these years later, I'd still be paying it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I had the student loan. I had more than I had budgeted for because I, I budgeted for food, for going to the movies once in a while, for flying home once a year, and for, um, you know, tuition and, and, and rent and stuff. But I hadn't really, uh, I, I didn't, I, as far as I knew, I didn't need, you know, $25,000 a year. I needed about eighteen, And I thought, well, it's good to have the extra headroom, you know, safety first. <laughs> And, but I've always been, I've always been a car guy. And what I was doing in Newfoundland when I went there was that I was using my, uh, my parents' vehicles. Um, they, they always had, they would drive their cars into the ground. So there was always some old beater that we could keep going. And I would, that would be my car when, when I needed it. And so I had a, like a 19, 91 Honda Accord for a while and then when that broke I had a 1991 Jeep Cherokee and uh and that actually that was a pretty good vehicle to be honest but uh but the point is that I I'd always wanted a nice car and I thought well when I'm a doctor you know doctors doctors make some money I'll buy myself a nice car <laughs> and then I got this student loan and I had six thousand extra dollars and I thought well maybe I can buy myself a car at that time, 6000 bucks for a car was not... You could find a decent car for 6000 bucks, Like a, you know, a Chevy, maybe a Civic or something. Like used, obviously. But it wasn't like today when a new car is $70,000 for a fucking pickup truck. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't like that. Um, so I, I thought, well, I'll get, you know, get myself a car. I'll do a little car shopping. And... Uh, so, so a heads up if you're in the situation maybe don't go car shopping with your student loan if you already have access to a vehicle <laughs> you will live to regret it but what i did was i uh i went out to uh, nova scotia uh with my dad and i had a girlfriend in nova scotia at the time and, and we were visiting and stuff and i saw this ad in the um not in the classifieds. It was like the Kijiji. It was like the, it's our version of Craigslist. And that was just kind of a new thing back then. You, you know, you had it on your laptop, not on your phone or whatever. And, uh, and it was for a, uh, Porsche 944, a 1983 Porsche 944. We're talking in the year, this would have been like 2001. Um, and I thought, Oh, that's amazing. So $5,500. I said, I can afford that. Um, I, I didn't even really put a second thought into it. I went out, uh, to the guy's house. He unveiled the car and I said, yeah, I'm going to buy that. 
<laughs> now, there's a manual transmission. I'd never driven a manual before. But I had to drive that car from Nova Scotia to New Brunswick. That night, it hadn't been started in seven years. I had to drive it uh, to New Brunswick that night, get it, um, you know, MVI'd and everything. And then I was supposed to take it to, to Newfoundland where I was going to medical school. And uh, I had to take it across on the ferry. And then I was supposed to drive it all winter. Well, it didn't work out that way. Uh, I did get the car started. Uh, it was full of mice. I uh, did manage to get it um, back to New Brunswick, but um, every time you would drive it for about more, you know, more than maybe 20 minutes, um, an alarming amount of smoke would come into the cockpit from the, uh, from the, you know, the blower fans uh, from, you know, where the air conditioning is supposed to be. Um, it was this like blue electrical smelling smoke. But that didn't matter. I had a Porsche 90, 944. I, th I thought it was king of the world. It was a very slow car, just as a heads up. It was not like a Porsche 911. It, this was like the poor man's Porsche. But it, I didn't care. I thought it was I thought it was the king of the world when I was driving around in that thing. Only um, on the uh, when, once I got it back, I, I went up to service New Brunswick and I got it MVI'd and, and uh, paid the registration, which I hadn't accounted for. So then that put me in the... <laughs> in the hole um and then uh i as i was driving home from the uh service new brunswick where i had to get it registered i heard this squeak 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 and i looked beside me and there was a squirrel climbing out of the upholstery <laughs> i almost had a goddamn heart attack i had driven with this thing in the car like six hours now learning how to drive manual transmission i guess i was just so focused i didn't notice the passenger seat had something living in it um, but you know, that car was, uh, we kept it around for a long time. Um, I, I think I got the disease of wanting weird, difficult to maintain cars from my father who, uh, bought himself a 1987 Jaguar Plus with a <laughs> W12 engine. And, uh, and actually there's a funny story about that car too, but I think we'll tell it at a different time. Anyway, that's the story of the uh, student loan Porsche. And, uh, you know, make better decisions than I did. Be warned. Don't do not do the things I did. I never got it to uh, Newfoundland. It wouldn't have made it through winter anyway. What I did was I took my uh, Honda Accord that year, and uh, my parents' Honda Accord. And uh, the second year when I was on my way to Newfoundland with the Honda Accord, because the Porsche never really reliably worked, the uh, radiator unspooled behind me and I was dragging this big long strip like a ribbon down the highway and somebody finally got me to pull over and uh, and sure enough the car was overheating and I wasn't <laughs> I hadn't been paying attention so then I ended up with their Jeep Cherokee and I drove that one until the floor rotted out from under me and uh, every time I bought gas I had to fill up the tires with air because they would run flat they were so corroded but when the uh, floor rotted out, I thought oh, this is probably the end of the end of the line for this truck. I was driving it actually to uh, school. I was on a surgery rotation. I was driving it to school in the morning, and Newfoundland's cold, and and uh, there was slush everywhere, like it had rained and snowed overnight. And I went through a big puddle, and slush went up my pant leg, <laughs> and that's how I discovered the hole in the floor. Anyway, well, that's the end of today's episode. 
uh, there won't be any episodes for a few days. I'm on vacation and uh, I just don't have my recording stuff with me. But uh, thanks for listening. You know, these are not super entertaining stories. I haven't written anything. I'm just uh, ad-libbing them, obviously. <laughs> there wouldn't be so many ums and ahs and forgetting your vocabulary if it was written down. But, uh, you know, what the hell? Give it a five-star review anyway. And uh, make sure to subscribe and we'll get we'll start getting some episodes out probably next week sometime. All right, everyone. Stay healthy. Stay classy. See you later.